introduces a new dimension in sound. From Cavalier Basketball. LeBron watching with seven, with six, with five. Who else but LeBron? LeBron to the circle, unloads. Got it! I think he prefer the king to Indians baseball. Swung in and belted to deep left. Away back. Goal! To Browns football. Back in the pocket. Steps up, goes into the end zone. Up high, Braylon Edwards up. This is the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Thank you for joining us at this week's WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Uh, Today your host will be yours truly, Scott Sargent. With me this week is Rock from Waiting For Next Year. Say hi, Rock. Hello. Uh, And a little bit later on, we'll be joined by Barry McBride from the Orange and Brown Report. But to start things off, let's start the cycle. Going for the cycle. All right, to talk first a little bit about some Cleveland Cavaliers. Take it away, Rock. All right. Uh, since our last podcast, uh, things have been a little bit more quiet on the Cavaliers front, but a uh, couple of final thoughts in the uh, Mo Williams trade. Uh, LeBron James weighed in and gave his seal of approval on the trade, uh, saying, quote, it's going to help us. I'm very excited to get a guy like Mo Williams on our team. He's one of the most underrated guards that we have in our league, and he's going to bring some explosion to us offensively. And defensively, he's very good, end quote. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that he mentioned the defense, considering that um, everything we've been hearing has been that that was a question mark of Mo's. And so in doing a little bit of uh, research, I found out that it's kind of funny that the uh, Utah Jazz actually used him his rookie year as sort of a defensive energy guy off the bench. So he's shown in the past that he can play defense, and I believe that the Cavaliers feel very strongly that he will play uh, defense for Mike Brown. Um, the Cavs have a lot of confidence in Mike Brown's ability to get anybody to play defense, and I think they're expecting uh, him to work wonders with Mo Williams as well. Um, the other uh, big news going around is the talks about the trade um, possibly for a big man. Um, you're hearing the Knicks brought up an awful lot. Bob Finnan mentioned it in uh, his weekend rumor mill. And so the two names you're hearing are Zach Randolph and David Lee. Um, Zach Randolph, I think most Cavs fans are in agreement that we are praying that that one doesn't happen. Um, that, that one is just a mess. Um, but the David Lee one is interesting, and we've talked about that one a little bit on the site. But John Hollinger of uh, ESPN.com actually said that the only way David Lee would be traded is if the Cavs would also take back a bad contract in exchange for the expiring contract of Eric Snow and Wally Zerbiak. Now, I cannot envision a scenario in which Danny Ferry is going to give up both of those expiring deals for another bad contract and David Lee. So while David Lee would certainly help out the Cavaliers a lot, and especially protecting against possibly losing uh, Anderson uh, Varejo here, um, you know, it, it would make sense from that standpoint, but if the Knicks are demanding that the Cavs take another bad contract, um, there's just no way that, that Danny Ferry can afford to uh, help him out. I, I think there's no doubt whatsoever that uh, Danny Ferry is going to try to bring in uh, some front court help at some point this season, but at, right now I would uh, I would guess that it's probably going to be a trade deadline deal or something closer to midseason once we have some idea on what teams are maybe uh, falling short of their expectations and starting to look to uh, trade some power forwards. I think that might be the best way that Danny Ferry can bring somebody in. So I wouldn't read too much into these uh, into these rumors about the Knicks trade. I don't think it sounds like that there's anything imminent going on. I think it just sounds like a bunch of rumors at this point. And so we'll, but we'll be keeping an eye on that. 
WaitingForNextYear.com. To talk a little bit about the Indians, uh, if you're not Tribe fans, Matt Laporta is okay after being beaned uh, in the Olympics by the uh, Chinese national team. Uh, word is uh, he, Laporta suffered a, suffered a mild concussion and uh, will be suiting up for the uh, Team USA when they uh, face Cuba. Um, those that got to that are still watching their uh, beloved Indians saw Anthony Reyes take home his second win of the season. Uh, Grady Sizemore busted out of a much-needed slump uh, last night with his 28th home run of the season. Uh, is Drupal Cabrera still hitting? And uh, believe it or not, Eric Wedge has been uh, nominated to enter a Hall of Fame. You can see this on WaitingForNextYear.com. But what Hall of Fame might we be talking about? The Arizona Fall League uh, Hall of Fame started in 2001. Uh, Eric will be joining Jimmy Rollins at the podium as uh, they become numbers 22 and 23 to be inducted into the Fall League. Um, after the uh, series with the Kansas City Royals, the uh, team will turn to Arlington, Texas, as the most fans will then turn their attention to who will be called up for the September rosters. Uh, we've heard rumors of Aaron Laffey, uh, why he may or may not be called up. Um, some are hinting towards the fact that if they leave him down in the minors past a certain date, uh, they will. Uh, the Indians, the team, will actually have some salary uh, leverage on him. Uh, others that we may see. Uh, John Malone uh, is doing well in the bullpen down in the minors. Um, Bo Mills, Wes Hodges, just to name a few. Uh, perhaps we see some Trevor Crow action up in the majors in September. This all remains to be seen uh, for a team that uh, is uh, just waiting for this season to, to end and uh, hopefully always uh, waiting for next year to start uh, as the 2009 team hopes to strike so little more luck than uh, this year did. Uh, Travis Hafner, Victor Martinez, Josh Barfield, all looking to rejoin the team in the next few weeks. Uh, while we're still waiting to hear exactly what Travis Hafner's injury was, uh, news is that he is taking some batting practice and hitting the ball somewhat well. And uh, Victor Martinez and Josh Barfield both had uh, rehab assignments in Akron and Buffalo. So while Tribe fans wait for them to rejoin the team, uh, we will look forward to the fall and the end of this season, which uh, we would all like to forget. WaitingForNextYear.com All right, we are just over a week until Ohio State kicks off the football season um, against Youngstown State. And uh, just a couple uh, brief news points that we didn't bring up on the site yet. Uh, the AP preseason top 25 is out. Ohio State comes in at number two, right behind Georgia. Uh, Ohio State picks up 21 first place votes compared to Georgia's 22. Um, USC is number three in that pool. Um, it's interesting that the uh, Big Ten not doing so well in the poll. Uh, we got Wisconsin at 13, Illinois 20, Penn State 22. Um, if you want to find Michigan, they're not in the poll. Um, they're in the others receiving votes right below Florida State, which is interesting. Uh, Michigan State also got some votes. Um, that doesn't bode well when you compare it to the SEC, which has Georgia 1, Florida 5, LSU 7, Auburn 10, Tennessee 18, um, Alabama 24. So um, Big Ten, uh, as much as we kind of enjoy Michigan being down on their luck, uh, we do miss uh, having them up here in the top ten with Ohio State. Um, other news briefs, uh, a lot of people have wondered uh, with freshman uh, quarterback Terrell Pryor, wondering how much is he going to be used this year and is he even going to be used at all. 
I think it was pretty telling in some of Jim Trussell's quotes this week uh, when they were asked about him. Uh, they asked uh, Jim Trussell whether he was comfortable putting Pryor into a game, and Trussell answered, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mind you, this is Jim Trussell we're talking about, who isn't necessarily uh, prone to giving high praise to uh, freshmen, so I think that uh, speaks volumes for his plans. He said uh, about Pryor, he said, quote, he didn't look like a freshman. He has good presence for a young guy. It looks to me like he's going to be very, very good. He's got extraordinary ability. And so I think that uh, that tells you all you need to know about Terrell Pryor. This guy, from all indications, has looked like the real deal. Yes, you know, he's still learning the offense. You know, they're, they're not going to put Terrell Pryor in scenarios where he needs to make a big throw to win the game. That's not how he's going to be used. But in packages and situations where it's advantageous to have his athletic ability on the field, I think you can expect to see a decent amount of Terrell Pryor. Uh, finally, wrapping up uh, my side of the Ohio State coverage, um, also wanted to mention there there was a, uh, a uh, poll that was uh, conducted recently asking Ohioans about their uh, favorite sports teams, and uh, some of the results were uh, pretty surprising, um, depending on who you ask, I suppose. But uh, when asked who do you root harder for, uh, your favorite NFL team or the Ohio State Buckeyes, the answer was 58% Buckeyes, only 28% for your NFL teams. Um, I found that a little bit interesting. I thought that with the, uh, um, you know, the – following of the Browns in the state of Ohio, I thought that number would have been uh, maybe a little bit higher. Um, but what's really interesting, too, is just in northeastern Ohio, uh, that number was still 51-35 in favor of the Buckeyes over the Browns. So um, very interesting to see the how much the uh, state of Ohio is rooting for Ohio State versus the Browns. Um, and in case anybody was curious, how do the Browns rate against the Bengals in the state of Ohio? Well, you guessed it, no competition. Um, the state of Ohio prefers the Browns over the Bengals, 55 to 30. Um, also, if you're wondering about the Indians versus the Reds, uh, this is also an Indian state, uh, 51% to 34%. And that's interesting if you tie that into uh, what we had talked about earlier on the site as far as the uh, Indians trying to build their presence in central Ohio by possibly moving the uh, Buffalo Bisons to Columbus uh, next year. So obviously the fan base is here, and it's ready to be expanded if that happens. So back to you, Scott. And just uh, one more quick note, as you mentioned, Terrell Pryor. Uh, one uh, blurb that I saw that uh, is very interesting is the uh, impression that sophomore receiver Dane Sonsenbacher is giving Jim Trestle and the rest of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Ray Small, uh, veteran, <laughs> collegiate wide receiver with Ray Small, has apparently been bumped from the first team as Sonsenbacher will be taking over the number three receiver role. Uh, when Malcolm Jenkins was asked about uh, Brian Rubisky or Brian Hartline in practice, Jenkins said that neither of them was as toughest to cover as Sonsenbacher reminded him of Anthony Gonzalez and is easily his toughest competition and toughest matchup in practice. Um, not much is uh, written about Sonsenbacher right now, but uh, and needless to say, I think we'll be hearing an awful lot about him as the season progresses. And with that said, let's turn it to the main event. And now, and now the main, main event. event. And thanks for joining us for this week's main event. Our guest of honor today is Barry McBride from the Orange and Brown Report. Barry, say hello. Hi, folks. Uh, I feel very good to be a guest of honor here. <laughs> 
And uh, being that, obviously, the Browns are the talk of the week uh, after Monday, we're glad to have you. I guess to uh, start things off really quick, we may as well just cut to the chase and talk about Monday night. Uh, ugly, for sure. Um, first question should be, should we be concerned as Browns fans? Were we exposed, or was it just a bad outing that happened to be on national television? Well, I think you absolutely should be concerned. And, and what you need to be concerned about uh, primarily is what happens to this team when we're missing some of the key components, because I think that that was the real key to what happened on Monday night. Uh, namely, the, the components that we're missing were uh, Braylon Edwards, uh, the wide receiver, obviously Derek Anderson's favorite target, and a guy who really plays well to Anderson's style of football. Sean Rogers um, was missing. Uh, he, we should see him uh, this Saturday, and you're going to see, I think, a huge difference in the defensive line and the amount of pressure that we're able to put on and what linebackers are able to do once Sean Rogers is back in the lineup. But those two guys gone, uh, this team starts looking a little bit more ordinary. Uh, they are that critical to the offense and defense, respectively. I think one of the other things that we learned is that the right side of the offensive line is a lot stronger uh, with Ryan Tucker in there for pass protection uh, than it is with uh, uh, our new acquisition, uh, Mr. Hadnot, from uh, uh, out of Miami. Yeah, he was available for a reason. He's a fairly decent run blocker. He's a guy who can play a couple of different positions. But uh, I think that uh, a lot of Browns fans are going to start feeling a little bit more confident when Tucker's in there. Now, we were playing a very good team. It was their first chance to play at home uh, since they went on their amazing run last year. Uh, I think that the, the Browns didn't expect them uh, to come as hard uh, as they did uh, in this preseason game. But I, I really think the most critical factor there were some of our missing components, and it's a concern for Browns fans uh, about what happens if some of those guys disappear with injuries later in the season. Hey, Barry, we uh, we mentioned a little something on our site, too, about uh, the expectations going into this season um, with the Browns and how the players seemed to be very confident, uh, some of it being because of those expectations, and they'd been through it, and they were all coming back. So there was a lot of confidence heading into this season. Can a preseason game like that affect that confidence, or do you think that that attitude will still be there? Well, there's a couple of different schools have thought about it. Uh, you know, personally, I was sort of um, – trying to put a good spin on it by saying, you know, this maybe this was the best thing that could have happened to this team uh, because this will cause them to refocus through the rest of the, of the preseason. Uh, in reality, you also have to be concerned about whether this puts a question mark in the back of their minds about their own abilities, uh, particularly if you're Derek Anderson and got harassed and clobbered the whole time. Anderson's one of those guys who, who doesn't seem to dwell on issues or problems, uh, but we certainly know that a an experience like that uh, uh, for a lot of quarterbacks uh, makes them a little bit more antsy. And part of uh, Anderson's strength uh, is his ability to wait to the absolute last second to deliver that ball. Um, uh, you know, he, he gives his wide receivers a chance to, to, to get open. Uh, and I'd be a little bit concerned about that. But I, I think it's very, very difficult to, to really gauge emotionally how this is going to, you know, something like this is going to impact the team. Uh, you know, throughout my years watching football, teams seem to respond emotionally sometimes uh, the way you least expect them to. Uh, but uh, my spin on it is that if you're going to have a game like this that maybe helps you refocus, it's probably good to have it early in the preseason. 
And just to touch on some of the injuries that uh, you discussed in, in, your, in your first answer, um, Braylon Edwards was on uh, Fox Radio not too long ago, and uh, when asked about the first game of the season, he quoted that if it was up to him, he would be playing in week one. Um, obviously, there are other uh, thoughts on that. As you know, you have team doctors, uh, coaches, depending on what they feel. Um, but to even hear that out of his mouth, are, are any of these injuries, either Sean Rogers, his knee being nursed, uh, C. Slack, Poole, Edwards, are any of these injuries worse than we're being led to believe? Well, the team has always been, uh, shall we say, somewhat circumspect with injury information. Uh, but what we're hearing right now is uh, it, it's mostly fairly positive stuff. Uh, C-Slack was out on the field again today, uh, so he's playing. Rogers was out there practicing today. That's good. Uh, Poole was not out there today. And essentially what the team said was, you know, if it's a concussion, players can be a little bit sensitive to light, and so they've decided to let them rest for another day. And Cornell is essentially saying, well, if guys weren't out here practicing today, they're probably not going to play on, on Saturday. So they're taking it real easy with Poole. We'll not, we're not hearing anything that suggests, you know, that uh, we're going to miss Poole for the season or something along those lines. Of all the injuries, probably the one that gives me the most concern is uh, uh, Josh Cripps and the high ankle sprain that he has. Uh, those are real, you know, kind of touchy injuries. It's kind of difficult to tell exactly when uh, those players are going to be back. Uh, that's something that we're digging on right now to try to find out a little bit more about to get a, a realistic appraisal of when uh, Cribs might return. That's the one of all of these, I think, that, that has me the most concerned at this point. Uh, there was also a, a, a rumor that Anderson had a separated shoulder. Um, as far as we can tell, that is not the case. With regard to Cribs, was there a diagnosis in terms of what grade his high ankle sprain was? Because uh, all I saw have seen was that it was a just a high ankle sprain. Obviously, we know that those can vary between, uh, you know, a, a Terrell Owens week 16 all the way to Dirk Nowitzki season ending. So, yeah, that that's exactly right, and that that's what's got us a little bit concerned here because we don't have the specifics on that yet. And of course, the Browns don't typically release that sort of thing. Uh, and for us to report on it, we have to get it pretty well nailed down, you know, from a couple of different sources. So as soon as we have something on that, we'll, of course, hit the front page with it. Uh, but at this point, we don't have that. And uh, until you have that level of detail or you see him starting to work out again or you see him out on the practice field, uh, it, it's something that, that should concern a Browns fan. And uh, to switch gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned players that are sensitive to light, and uh, the thing that crossed my mind when you mentioned that was uh, the players that wear those visors over their face mask. And one of our new additions in Travis Daniels uh, does such a thing. Uh, what do you know about Travis Daniels? And uh, while uh, the feeling over it, uh, waiting for next year, is that uh, he probably isn't the answer in uh, in terms of our secondary, but uh, could he be a helpful addition? Uh, to me, this is the most perplexing addition in the defensive secondary since the Cleveland Browns signed Kenny Wright. Uh, I didn't really understand that one. Not sure I understand this one uh, quite yet. Uh, the best possible spin I can put on it is that, uh, is that uh, Mel Tucker has had some success with players who uh, may not have been successful elsewhere. Uh, you know, the work he did with Davin Hawley, obviously, uh, was very, very good. Uh, the work he did with Lee Bodden was very good. And so you hope that he sees something in Travis Daniels that uh, perhaps scouts around the NFL uh, have not seen. 
uh, to date. What what we know about Daniels is basically that uh, uh, he doesn't have tremendous speed. He's got good instincts, but he just doesn't have that closing speed, and he hasn't developed it uh, while he's been in the NFL. Uh, as a result, uh, he does not seem to be the sort of guy who's uh, going to come in here and you know make a significant impact. He might play in the nickel a little bit. Uh, but at this point, uh, you know, based on everything that we're hearing from people who scouted him when he was in college to what we're hearing from other NFL uh, teams and, and scouts with other NFL clubs is not really very encouraging uh, regarding him being the answer. Not quite sure what the Cleveland Browns saw in him uh, that made him worth even a lower-round draft pick uh, because he's probably a guy who would have been available uh, for nothing later on. Um, you just have to hope that uh, Mel Tucker or the Cleveland scouting staff has seen something that, uh, frankly, nobody else has seen at this point. What do you think the chances are that uh, Phil Savage is still going to be able to bring in uh, maybe somebody else that can have a little bit of a stronger impact on the secondary? Oh, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. It, the problem is right now that the team and free agent player, the other teams and free agent players, know that the Browns are are hard up, uh, and they, you know, as a result, they're going to negotiate as appropriate. Uh, wouldn't stun me too much to see us exchange a tight end for a cornerback, uh, but. You know, even uh, the one team where that scenario has played, you know, it looks looks possible, which is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Ashton Yabuti has not uh, been very impressive so far this preseason. Uh, Kelly Herndon is the name that we've heard, and of course Ty Law is a guy who's out there, and uh, if they're looking for experience to bring into the secondary. That's the guy they should chase. Unfortunately, Law's perspective on his financial value and how much he should be playing is a little bit different from what the Browns are seeing right now, um, which is why Ty Law is not in the Cleveland Browns camp uh, at this point. But, uh, he's, you know, those two names seem to be the most common-sense fits um, for this club at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Law has to be, I guess, a little bit more realistic about, um, you know, how much money he should be making, you know, this next year. Yeah. And I guess finally, any uh, last words of wisdom that you can leave us Browns fans to at least make us feel better as we uh, head to play the Detroit Lions? <laughs> well, I can't say anything more positive than we're heading to play the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, this third preseason game is typically where you get to see uh, the team uh, the closest uh, to the way that they're going to look during the season. There are a lot of Cleveland Browns teams that did not look very good in the preseason and went on to win championships in the past and some Cleveland Browns teams that have rolled during the preseason and done nothing during the year. Uh, the game changes entirely as of September 7th, and uh, there is no doubt in my mind at all that this is an improved ball club. And uh, despite what you saw Monday night, a club that's going to have a good year if they have reasonable luck with injuries and a team that can get into the playoffs and, and scare some people in the playoffs as well. This is a better Cleveland Browns ball club despite what you saw on Monday night. So, excellent, Barry. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Dana. Thank you so, so much for uh, being a part of us. Uh, always, Barry McBride from the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, head over to the Orange and Brown Report at scout.com. Uh, the uh, 
Uh, URL, uh, obviously, HTTP, CLE, as in Cleveland, dot scout dot com. Uh, read all the, the, the great tidbits from Fred Greetham, Lane Adkins, and the rest of the crew. And as always, a big thanks to Bob from CavsBoard.com. Make sure you check uh, check out his work over at CavsBoard.com, uh, podcasts, tidbits on the Cavs, and everything else, all Cavalier information that you may need. Uh, again, special thank you to Barry McBride from Orange and Brown Report. Uh, as always, please, please check out uh, waitingfornextyear.com. Feel free to email us at our new email address, podcast at waitingfornextyear.com. We welcome all uh, tips, comments, questions, anything that we can cover in the upcoming week. Again, waitingfornextyear.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Straight three called ball game. This has been the waitingfornextyear.com podcast. For complete coverage of the Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, and all your Cleveland teams, log on to waitingfornextyear.com. Contact us on the internet. Thank you, and good day.